All right, good morning, High Desert Word Center. How's everybody doing this morning? I'm not going to lie, that was pretty weak and that's unacceptable. How are you doing this morning? (laughs) There we go, come on. You're in the house of the Lord, so you made the first right choice of the day. So you're you're well on your way. Well, welcome to High Desert Word Center. It is great to see everybody on a beautiful January Sunday morning. Now, if you're like me, this weather's a little too nice for my taste. I need some of that winter weather to move back in. So, I, okay, apparently we don't all agree on that. So um, that's fine. Like I like I always say, I don't mind waiting till we get to heaven for Jesus to tell you how right I was. That's fine. But uh, I'm kidding. Hey, let's go over a few quick guidelines, and then I'll let Miss Katie share some exciting news. But a few quick guidelines, our health guidelines that we want to remind you of. We ask you to keep a mask on if you're moving around the building. If you're in your seat, listen to the sermon or whatever, then feel free. That's your own little space there. Uh, Remind you to keep a good social distance and uh, not hug each other, even though we know that you like to hug so much. Then, of course, if you are feeling sick or have any symptoms of bad things, stay home and watch from home. But here's the thing. If you stay home, actually watch, right? Come on. (laughs) Actually watch the service on Facebook or YouTube, and you can even, uh, you can interact on there with other people and follow along. But anyway, the best thing is to be here in person, though, so you can be in the house of the Lord. But we understand if you can't be here in person, all right? I'm going to let Miss Katie welcome any wonderful first-timers we have. Well, if you are here with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, can you please raise your hand? We love you. I'm so glad you're here with us. Miss Desiree in the long black dress is going to come around and give you some information about the church. That way you have some details there. And online family, we love you. We miss you. We expect to see you soon. There is no service tonight, but we know how many of you want Sunday nights back. We hear you, and we want them too. So that is planning to start in February. So just keep praying in agreement with us that that is all smoothed out and that we're able to get that working and going. So hopefully in February, Sunday night's back at 6 o'clock. Oh, and we have, for the first time in a long time, a guest speaker coming in. Reverend Ray Bench will be with us. Yes. Uh, He has really invested a lot in here. Each time he comes, he uh, brings the word for sure and makes a major impact on people's lives. So don't forget to make that an appointment in your phone or write it in on your calendar. January 27th, so Wednesday night, January 27th, Reverend Ray Bench will be with us at 7 p.m. All right, so we are super excited about having Ray Bench back with us, and you know, it's we usually we have several guest ministers throughout the year, and obviously that didn't happen last year, so uh, this is exciting for us to finally get to have somebody else in, and uh, hopefully in Jesus' name we'll be having more of our favorite guests back in with us this year. All right, so I know you've been waiting all week to hear the update on the ARC project. Are you like me? You've just been waiting all week? Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm excited. I'll tell you that much. And so 
What the ARC project is, is we are replacing our HVAC units in this building, and it's not because it's just a nice thing to do. It's a need, uh, because just to fill you in, if you weren't here last week, uh, our HVAC units, this building is so, it's a pretty big building. It takes seven units to run this building, and they're 26 years old, and out of the seven, we're down to two working. And now, uh, and they're both happen to be on this side. So if you're over there and you're cold, then, you know, uh, sorry for you. But, uh, but so this side's warm and that side's usually cold. But what we're doing is we are replacing three of the units immediately uh, right now. We're replacing three and we'll do the next three a little bit down the road. And so what it is is go ahead, Maylee, and put those on the screen for me, if you could, to give you a little bit of an update about where we are. Um, right now, we're breaking it into two phases. We are in phase one at this uh, moment. And so the total cost is $30,000 for phase one. And what we have uh, so far currently that's actually come in is $19,375.39. That's awesome. And we got a great head start on it because of the, you know, the great giving last year. We already had started with, I think, 13500 and so, technically, we still need $10,624.61. Now, uh, the next slide, please, Maylee. We uh, have a lot of people that made pledges last week. And if, if everybody follows through on their pledges, what we actually only need is $5,249.61. That's really, really good. Because, again... We were, I'm just, I'm just going to say it. We're going to refuse to go get a loan to do work on God's house. God doesn't need Egypt to pay for his ark. And, you know, you agree with me or not agree with me, but we're doing this. We're paying the straight cash for it. We will not be bound to anybody, owe anybody anything. And we're going to have in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of, oh, it's bad for churches right now. This church is going to have brand new HVAC, and we're going to be able to reach people for Jesus Christ and bring them in to the ark. That's what we're talking about, because when Noah knew there was a flood coming, and believe me, you'll hear me in a few minutes, there's a flood coming, brothers. There's a flood coming, sisters. But Noah saw that, and God talked to him about it, and he started building an ark, a place of safety, a place of refuge for anybody that would get on and that's what we're doing here. We have an ark of safety, a place of refuge for people to get on and hear the gospel and get out of the flood that's coming. And I believe that with all of my heart. So thank you, church family, for how far we are. Amen. And so I know just, if you weren't here last week, a lot of people said, hey, you know what? I, can, I know I can give $1,000. Uh, I know I could give $500. And I'm not asking anybody to raise their hands, but if God's speaking to your heart, and this is your church, and you're blessed at the moment, all right? I'm not asking you to do something you don't have. But if you're blessed at the moment and you've got a little extra, I ask that go ahead and help us out to get this done for our church family and for the community of Barstow because this place is staying open and we're getting the gospel out there in the name of Jesus. Amen? Now, uh, the ushers uh, do have some little pledge cards back there on the table back there. If you want to get a pledge card and just pray over it and say, you know what, I need a week to pray about this and see what I can do, that's fine. Pray over it. Or if you want to write an amount down and put it in the offering, that's fine. Or if you just want to straight up go ahead and give what God's laid on your heart today, let's get this done. I'm ready to call that company and say, boys, load up the trucks and head to Barstow. We're doing this thing right now. All right? 
And uh, if you're going to give online, we got, in fact, a lot of people gave online that are just watching over the internet. Um, if you want to give online, you can go to hdwc.org, and under the tab that says building and maintenance, you would uh, select that tab. But we're getting this done. The devil's not shutting this place down, and the devil is not slowing the gospel down in Barstow or from High Desert Word Center. We're doing our part, and we're going to heaven, but we're taking as many people with us as we can possibly take because I'm not showing up empty-handed. I want a whole crowd of people with me. Are you the same way? Amen. All right. Very good. And so, again, if everybody, you know, follows through on their pledges, we only need $5,249, and we're paying straight cash for three brand-new HVAC units. This summer, when it's hot outside, you're going to come in here with a winter coat. We're setting those AC units as low as they'll go, and we're going to keep it nice and cold. Amen. But who's excited about what God's doing right now? Amen. There's people everywhere that, that feel down, but we're excited because... The Lord is doing a great work in Barstow and at High Desert Work Center and amongst the body of Christ. This is a great time to be alive. Amen. I'm going to have Mrs. Pastor go ahead and come on up, and she's going to help us out with our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. So what time is it? It is happy time, and we are cheerful givers. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, Just a little uh, word of exhortation here. Never put your offering in place of your tithe money. Your offering is always above your tithe. So, you know, if you're bringing your tithe and stuff like that, do not designate your tithe money to HIVAC or missions or anything else. Your tithes, your tithes. Your offering is above that. So just make sure you don't do that because if you do that, then it takes away from the general fund and then somebody, then, you know, some bill doesn't get paid. So you can't do that, okay? Everybody understand that? Okay, so if you need, I'm going to talk about missions today as well as regular tithes and offerings. So um, if you need an envelope, raise your hand real high. The, uh, the ushers will give you an envelope. If you need two envelopes or three envelopes, whatever you do, make sure that you mark your envelopes plainly. This is my tithe and regular offering. This is my high back offering. This is my missions offering. That way they don't get mixed up in the office, in the accounting room if you don't mark it, it goes automatically into the general fund, okay? All right, well, I want to give you a verse today. It's in 2 Corinthians. This is an offering verse. You know, when you're you're in the Word, you know, there's tithing scriptures, there's offering scriptures, there's scriptures about alms and stuff like that. So uh, this is an offering scripture, and it's in 2 Corinthians, uh, starting at chapter 9, verse 9. But this I say... He who sows sparingly, and this is talking about offerings, will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. So when you're giving an offering, it's because it's something that you decide. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And I want to tell you something else, too. If you you have a desire to like to give into uh, the HIVAC fund or the missions offering or special offerings that we take up, but you feel like you don't have the money, Ask the Lord for seed. 
Say, Father, I want to sow into this, but I don't have the seed. I pray, Lord, that you give me seed. And then you watch somewhere or another, you're going to find, you're going to find some money somewhere. Somebody's going to send you a check out of the blue. Something's going to happen. And then the Lord's going to say, this is your seed. It's not feed. Don't eat it. It's your seed. And then you sow it into whatever it was that you asked the Lord the money for. Do you understand? And then you can reap a harvest on what your offering is. You never do on a tithe, but your offering is what you reap your harvest on, okay? I want to highlight Pacific Justice Institute today and um, love, this, love this organization. This is one of the organizations that High Desert Word Center supports on a monthly basis. And in fact, uh, we have doubled our giving to them for 2021 because of what they've done. And they, you know, we get these huge letters from them, and I'll post it on the, on the missions board over there. But I just wanted to read some of the stuff that they have done this year. Uh, remarkable. Pacific Justice Institute is a legal organization that takes uh, cases pro bono for Christian events. I've got, I got pages and pages of this stuff. But I highlighted some of them because I wanted to read some of them to you so that you will know exactly what some of the, some of the things are that they do. But uh, this was kind of interesting to me. They've, they've uh, done cases in Spokane, Washington, Southern California, Iowa, New Jersey, Oregon, Colorado Springs, Northern Mariana Islands, wherever that is, uh, Kennewick, Washington, Oregon, Florida, Idaho, Nevada, and all kinds of places. But I, I just want to read this, some of these to you that I, I picked out. Our full-time Oregon attorney helped a small city council in Oregon close down a strip club that had attempted to open a church, uh, open up next door to a church. Another one, in Florida, we secured a favorable settlement for a graduate student who was dismissed from a counseling internship after challenging LGBTQT, whatever that is, ideology, discrimination. Another one, we filed suit and obtained a federal favorable settlement for a former prisoner denied early release because he participated in a faith-based rehabilitation program. Can you believe it? This summer, we had a federal lawsuit in Northern California on behalf of a nurse practitioner who was denied employment because she objected to performing abortions. People being persecuted for righteousness sake. We, rep we represent numerous believers from around the world who have experienced horrific persecution for their faith. This is amazing to me. One of our newest clients is from Nigeria, where she was beaten and issued a death threat by the local mosque for converting to Christianity. In Washington State, we are in court defending a church being sued by Planned Parenthood. And then here's the last one I'm going to read to you, although there's, there's, these just go on and on and on. In 2020, while so many other law firms and organizations were scaling back, we launched brand new offices in Texas, New York, also serving New Jersey and in Mississippi. So this is where some of our missions money is going to fight for Christian causes across this land. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, I trust you've all got your... your Here's Pastor and Mai's missions check and our tithes and offerings. So let's say our financial faith confession and come on up here, and then we'll worship the Lord with our tithes and our offerings. Amen. 
as we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, when you're done dropping off your tithes and offerings, join us up here. Join us at your seat for praise and worship. from the ashes no longer bound by chains you gave your life for freedom yes Jesus we're coming out of the shadows your glory tore through the veil and now your light shines upon us cause we are
this morning we want to teach you all a new song. And so before we do, I just want you to, uh, to sing this along with us so you can kind of get how it goes. And it goes. God of Abraham, you're the God of covenants and of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me from the rising. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me.
spoken in this verse. God from age to age, though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. Your history can prove there's nothing you can do. You're faithful and true. Though the storms may
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are faithful. God, so many things have changed around us, but you haven't changed, Lord. You're the exact same. You are faithful. You never leave us. You never forsake us, God. You stick with us when everybody else abandons us, Lord. You are faithful, and we praise your name for that today, God. I was thinking of a verse as I was standing down there, Hebrews 13, 8, and man, this world's changing by the minute, okay? You know, I was just looking back at January of last year. I had None of us had any idea the world would be this different of a place within 12 months' time. I mean, uh, the, just the, the, the disease and everything else going on and uh, uh, some of the other stuff coming down the pike. <laughs> but praise the Lord, a lot's changed, but one thing has not changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changing. He doesn't need to change. He, there's no, What would he change to? He doesn't need to change. He is perfection, and he is the one and only thing that we can look to, the one and only thing that we can cling to. But thank God he's the one and only thing that we need to cling to. It's Jesus Christ. And so let's raise our hands together for a minute this morning. And, Lord, we do say, we do declare, we do sing out your praise today that great is your faithfulness to us, God. Even if we haven't been faithful to you, you still have remained faithful to us. God, forgive us for the times that we haven't been faithful. Forgive us for the times that maybe we've walked away from you, but you were still standing right there waiting on us to come back. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And God, we ask that you would have your way, not only here in this service today, but in our lives, Lord. We need you now more than we've ever needed you before. And I pray in the name of Jesus that everybody in this room, everybody listening online or wherever else, God, in the name of Jesus, that we would make this commitment to you and never turn our back on you again, that we would never let go of you again, Lord, because we know you'll never let go of us. Thank you, Jesus, for being there through all of 2020 and all of 2021 and beyond. You're there and you're faithful. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Can somebody give God a little shout of praise this morning? Amen. God is good. He is good. He is faithful. Amen. Well, you can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. You know, I like how Ecclesiastes put it. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every single morning. Oh, it's Lamentations. Excuse me. Lamentations 3. His mercies are new every single morning. Amen. Well, who's glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Well, it's a swell turnout for a January of 2021. It's great to see everybody that's here. Wonderful turnout today, and we appreciate that. Um, so what's going on is we're on part three of a series called Like Stone. And if Maylee could go ahead and put that up there, Like Stone. And, um, and really what it all boils down to is this, is the theme verse that God gave us for 2021 uh, every year, God gives us a verse, and really, uh, I mean, last year it was Proverbs eleven eleven, and it told us to speak right words over the city we lived in, 
and we did that, and we continue to do that, and we've seen the hand of God in a lot of ways, even on our local community. But this year, the verse, uh, you know, I was out here's I was out hiking in the woods in Big Bear, and uh, I think it was November 19th, just hiking and, and praying, and, and that's, you know, some people, everybody has a different way where you kind of, you know, are... Uh, you get in your zone and you hear from God best. And, and, and for me, it's being out in the woods. You know, I need to be away from people sometimes. I love you guys. It's not that I don't love you, okay? But sometimes I need away from you. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But Isaiah 50, verse 7, a verse I've known my, my whole life, really, well, for a long time anyway, came to me. Let's put that on the screen. Isaiah 50 and verse 7. And you need to know this verse. You will get this in your heart because this is a verse for us in the day and age in which we live. This is, you. if this isn't your attitude, I don't know how well you'll do in 2021, to be honest, or beyond, if we're here that long. I don't know how well you're do, you'll do in life if this isn't your, your passion, if this isn't something you can relate to as a Christian. Isaiah 50 and verse 7, it says, because the sovereign Lord helps me. Well, praise God, the sovereign Lord does help us. Amen? I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. And so I am just exhorting you with everything that I have right now, especially this line right here. I have set my face like a stone determined to do his will. You have got to be determined that you are going to follow Jesus no matter how hard it gets, no matter how easy it is. And sometimes there's more danger in things being easy than there is in things being hard because when things are hard, people all of a sudden run to Jesus. And when things are easy, like, I don't feel any pressure right now. I think I could just, you know, back off a little bit. And that's a dangerous spot to be in. But listen, we've been comfortable. We've been pretty, uh, it's been pretty easy, honestly, for a very long time for Christians in America and in a lot of other places. And according to Scripture, man, it may not always be that easy. You may start to feel the heat a little bit as we get closer and closer to Jesus coming back. But the good news is, because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I am determining to set my face like a stone, determined to do His will, and I know that I will not be put to shame. I will have no regrets when I die that I stuck with Jesus all the way to the end. I will never regret it. I don't doubt it one bit that when I'm in heaven, I'm not going to look back and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have taken Jesus so seriously. I could have relaxed a whole lot more than I did. Nobody will speak those words in heaven, but there's a whole lot of people that when it all comes down to the end, they're going to say, my God, I wish I would have taken that more serious. Yeah, I, I died with a whole lot of money. But my family is a wreck. I died with a high. I accomplished everything on my bucket list. But here I am and I'm not in heaven. What a scary thought to think of. And so my focus today, what I've been doing is breaking down this one verse into different segments each week. And so the first week we looked at how the sovereign Lord helps us. The last week we looked at not being disgraced. And then this week I'm going to look at this next line. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone determined to do his will. All right, and, and, and this is the main heart of everything that I've been really looking at for this whole series, but there's some stuff i got to show you today. And so let's pray, and then we're going to get into the Word of God. And I believe if you'll open your heart, God will speak to you. Now, if you just stay closed up, you're not going to hear much today, but if you'll open up, God will change your life. 
from his word. Not because i got something to say, but because God's got something to say. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that we are gathered in your name, God. We didn't come to gather just because it's something to do or, or because it's a, a fun thing to get out of the house. We gathered in your name today, God, because we need you and we know that we need you, God. We cannot do this alone. We don't have the strength to do this alone, but we know that we need you. And I pray today that you will speak to us. You'll show us things from your word that we need to see. And God, if we've been wrong on something, hey, correct us. We don't want to be wrong anymore. We want to be right with you. And so, Lord, have your way through your word today in the name of Jesus. Everybody said. And so three things today regarding setting your face like a stone. Now, the first thing is that now, now this may sound pretty forward, but this is just straight up from the word of God. Number one, if you're going to set your face like stone, if you're going to thrive as a Christian in 2021 and beyond, number one, don't be a coward. Now, that's not a word that I typically use. And I realize for some people, it's like, man, I don't know. You can't say that to people. I'm not saying that to people. Revelation is saying that to people. And I'm going to show you a verse here. Uh, let's flip over to Revelation chapter 21 if we can. Revelation 21. But that's not a word I say. Now, I, I, I watch a lot of uh, old Western shows, a lot of old cowboy shows. Hey, do you like John Wayne? Come on. You like. <laughs> all right. Well, you ought to like John Wayne. If you're an American, you love John Wayne. And I, and I watch all, you know, all these old shows. But there's one thing that if you just really want to get at somebody, you'd call him a coward. You know, he's a yellow belly coward. He's a, you know, and, and I mean, nobody wants to be called a coward. But technically, that's a Bible word. That's not just some word that people throw out there. And, and I don't feel like calling somebody a coward. But if the shoe fits, then I guess you got to wear it. So Revelation 21 and we're going to look here at verse 8, and I'm just saying today's going to be a very straightforward uh, word from God. My main thing that I like to do in life is encourage people. I like to make people feel really good, and because uh, I like that. I like, to, I like to be encouraged to feel really good. And then there's also a time where you just got to be flat out with people and tell them the straight-up truth that, hey, you better get serious about God because you, things, are, things are changing. So Revelation 21, verse 8, in the New Living Translation it says, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Well, that sounds like a wonderful, encouraging verse, doesn't it? Do you want to get that on your refrigerator? Do you want to get that stitched on a t-shirt? No, that doesn't sound that exciting, but look at this. That tells us a whole list of people right here at the very end of the Bible that, hey, these people, they are not going to be getting into heaven. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Now, that's an interesting list of people right there. I mean, look at that. Look at that. That's an interesting list of people. I totally understand liars not going to heaven. I understand murderers not going, idol worshipers, people that practice witchcraft, all those, all the people on that list, it's like, yeah, duh, I mean, that's not the type of people that are going to heaven. But apparently, at the very top of the list that God doesn't want to be around in heaven is cowards. That is, I mean, that's, that just like shakes me a little bit. He puts cowards on the same list as murderers, liars, idolaters, people that practice witchcraft and talking to demons. 
He says cowards are at the very top of that list of people that will have their place in the lake of fire. And I mean, that's just nearly mind-blowing to me that God feels that strongly about somebody that is a coward. Now, listen, I'm not a conflict-oriented person. Most of you that know me, I don't enjoy conflict. I take the, you know, I, I would rather just, you know, get along with everybody. And so that's just kind of my personality. And then I realize there are some people that are very conflict-oriented. And, and, you know, praise God, I guess there may be a place where you get some things done. That's good. But in all honesty, this is not the time at this day and hour that we can run away from conflict. Because it's coming at you. And so you don't have to go around looking for a fight. You don't have to go around looking for the devil. He, he knows where you're at, all right? I'm not trying to be scary or anything like that. But this is not the day and age where we can afford to run away from difficulty. And I'm just going to say this. Ignoring difficulty makes you a coward. Now, that sounds hard. But ignoring difficulty makes you a coward. You know, I, I don't know where I want to go with all this, but I'll just speak from the heart here. So, uh, you know, I, 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 a guy that I look up to was a pastor in Germany back in the 1930s and 40s. His last name was Bonhoeffer. And, 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 and it was crazy because at that point, they got the Nazi party, and I mean, I'm going way out there. This is totally off note, so just give me a minute, okay? But the Nazi party had convinced the Protestant church to basically back what they were doing. And, and you know, we'll, we'll give you guys this free stuff. We'll, we'll make sure that you get your cut of this money, and, and you'll get these handouts. And, and we'll, But there was a fraction of them that said, you know what? No, uh, we know what's going on underneath the surface here. These guys are not on our side, despite what they're saying. And this Bonhoeffer guy was one of them, and he had the guts to stand up. He paid the price. They got him. But listen, he had the guts to stand up and say, I don't care what anybody says. That's straight up wrong. I don't care how much money they give me. I don't care what handouts and what free stuff they want to give me. That's straight up wrong. And he stood up for what he believed in. But what I like about that is he did not ignore the difficulty. He said something about it. And according to the very end of the Bible, Revelation 21, go ahead and look. There's not that many more chapters after that, is there? <laughs> Listen, right at the end, he said, cowards don't have a place in heaven. Their place, their fate is in the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. That is the second death. Because you see, somebody that's not a Christian, they got to die twice. Like, well, what does that mean? Well, they died the physical death once, but then going to hell is the second death, and that's the worst thing ever. If you're a Christian, if you're born again, you die once, but then you live forever. And that's why Paul said, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The grave doesn't have victory over the born-again child of God anymore. Death can't beat us because Jesus already beat it. I'm going to heaven someday, and I can't wait to get there. I'm excited about it. But right here, it tells us clearly that this hell is the second death. And if you ignore difficulty, if you just pretend that it flat out doesn't exist, that's the easy way. But that makes you a coward, and you've got to learn to stand up for something in your life. I heard of this story about this lady that was uh, – she was, she was telling her, her group of friends, she's like, man, last night a burglar got into the house. 
and I mean, I, I woke up, I didn't know what to do, but I looked down, and there was a pair, there, there was a pair of man's legs sticking out from underneath my bed, and her friend said, oh my gosh, the burglar's legs? She said, no, it was my husband's, he heard the burglar too. Listen, <laughs> men, don't let that be you, listen, you can't ignore difficulty, you can't run from it, right? Don't be a coward, we've got to stand up, and on, on a more serious note, I love the quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. He said, cowardice, cowards ask the question, is it safe? Convenience asks the question, is it sensible? Vanity, this is our day and age, asks the question, is it popular? But conscience asks the question, is it right? And there comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe nor convenient nor popular, but one must take it because it is right. Well, what's the right position? Whatever the Bible says is right is the right position. Nothing else. I don't care, man, if it's popular or not. If the Bible says it, it's the truth, and it's the right position. Whether anybody else agrees with it or not, that's fine. Not everybody agreed with Jesus when he walked the earth. Amen? And certainly not everybody agrees with Jesus right now. But that doesn't matter. I'm going to agree with Jesus because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. They all have to change their mind every week and update their, their list of what's right and what's wrong. And Jesus hasn't had to do that because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think it would do you a whole lot of good to say that with me this morning. Say this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He is not changing, and I'm not changing from him either. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, I, you know, just in, 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 uh, in light of being totally as honest as we can be, if you're going to live a legit Christian life right now, you're going to feel some pressure from the world around you. You know, I, I you know, I hear, I, I don't, you can probably tell, maybe you can't or get, I don't really work out. You know, the, I just want to let that out. I don't really work. But I hear from people that do work out that, you know, there's a certain level of pain that comes with that, right? And if you're a runner, I'm not that either, but if you're a runner, you know, if you don't eventually feel some sort of pain, you must not be doing something, right? And I'm telling you, in the day and age in which we live, if you don't ever feel any heat or any pressure or any pain from the world around you, you're, you must not be doing it right. Because Paul told us in 2 Timothy that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And, it, and if your faith and if, if, if your Christian walk and your life and your salvation is such a quiet, private little thing that nobody even knows about it, you're doing something wrong there. I'm not out looking for trouble. I'm not out looking for fights. But if nobody ever, I mean, if nobody ever has any, oh, he's a, you go to church? My gosh, I, I have no idea. That's not a good thing. I had a friend, one of my friends told me, uh, this is what he said, he was talking to some of his, his coworkers, he's like, oh, guys, I can't make it out to the thing tonight. Um, I've got church. And, and they're like, you go to church? You? That's not good. <laughs> that if, he, if somebody nearly passes out at the fact that you go to church, you're doing something wrong. They should just assume, by the, even if you've never told them, they should just assume by the godly life you live, oh, that he, yeah, he, probably, he must be a church goer. They should just know. Actions speak louder than words do anyway, but if you're living a legit, the right way Christian life, 
you are going to start feeling some pressure from the world around you. The only way you will not feel any pressure from the world around you in 2021 is if you're a coward and you hide your beliefs. Now, that's heavy and that's hard, and that's not what I usually like to say, but it's the word of God. Listen, the only way that you're just going to float through this thing and not feel any pressure from the outside world, from the devil, from devilish people, is if you're a coward and you don't let anybody know about Jesus in your life. And that's an even more dangerous spot to be in. Because if you stand up for the Bible right now, you're going to be called intolerant. I've been called that. You'll be called extreme. I've been called that. You're going to be called old-fashioned, and I've been called that. And this is on the nicer side of things they'll call you. I don't want to go into the mean things they'll call you. That's the nice list. But you're going to be taking some heat for the things that you believe and the things that you stand for if you really stand for something in 2021. Now, what am I saying with all that? That's why right now at the beginning of the year, you're going to have to start making some decisions. Am I going to stand up? Am I going to let my face be set as a stone determined to do his will? Or would I rather just take the easy way out and uh, make everybody around me happy and not stand for anything? That is an option. I would caution you that it's the wrong option because cowards have, you know, their ultimate destination according to Revelation 21.8. But this is not the time to be playing games. And so I read a quote. You can put this on the screen. A man that runs from his fear will find that he has only taken a shortcut to meet it. A man that runs from his fear will find that he has only taken a shortcut to meet it. And so what am I saying today? I'm saying that you are going to have to decide, am I determined to follow God no matter how easy or how difficult it gets? There's some decisions that Christians have to make. And and and, 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 and I'm just cautioning, I, I believe with all of my heart that we've got to be transparent and be real with people right now and not just say, well, you know, just, you know, your faith is a Sunday thing, if, if, if you did that. Your faith is a Sunday thing. It's, it better be a seven days a week thing with in this world right now. It better be seven. There's not a, there, you can't afford an off day. You've got to stick with Jesus every single day. And we, no matter what comes against us, don't be a coward. Number two, don't be a quitter. Number two, don't be a quitter. Now, I believe everybody in here has had the opportunity to quit at one point or another. Show of hands, have you ever had the chance to quit at something? All right. I mean, I've had, I've had options. I, there's a lot of things I could have quit at. And, and, you know, there's probably been some things that I have quit at that I shouldn't have. But there's no place for that in your faith and in your Christian walk in the time that we live in. We cannot afford to have quitters. And, you know, I've noticed a lot of times that the most successful people that we see, a lot of times people don't like successful people. Yeah, he's only there. He probably had everything handed to him. He probably just, you know, he probably just, he didn't, it was just all handed to him on a silver. And there's probably some people like that. But the majority of people that I see that are successful, they passed up chance after chance after chance to quit, but they didn't. Then they make it to the top and everybody gets mad at them. And that's fine, you know, whatever for that. But don't be a quitter. You cannot afford to quit 
right now. And, and it's one thing to talk about being a quitter in, in the business world or the sports world or the political world. Man, that stuff's junk. That's nonsense. What I'm talking about is don't be a spiritual quitter. You know, I mean, I don't want to be a quitter in business or anything else, but listen to me. There's a lot of spiritual quitters. Well, it's, it's getting hard. I, uh, they, they, they preach some. My pastor called, called me a coward today, so I'm not going to go to church there anymore. I didn't call you a coward. I just read what the, what the Bible said, okay? That wasn't, that wasn't personal, but if, if it fits, if it hits close to home. But your pastor did not call you a coward. I'm not going there anymore, man, or I don't, I'm, I'm tuning them out. And, and there's people that they spiritually quit all the time, and, man, Maybe you used to get away with that. You're not going to get away with that forever. You have got to make your commitment to Jesus and say, my face is set as a stone determined to do his will. I'm not turning back this time. I will not quit. And so I want to look for a minute today at one of my all-time heroes, the Apostle Paul. He's one of the most important people in all the Bible, and for good reason. And we all know who he is, though, because he didn't quit. He had chance after chance after chance to quit. And people thought he was crazy. There's people like, man, this obviously, this preaching thing isn't your thing. You need, you need to go find something else to do because you keep getting beat up. You keep getting, you know, you keep getting thrown out of places. This obviously isn't your thing. And I've determined that I can't always base whether I'm in the will of God or not by how nice everybody else treats me. Well, if God really gave me this job, they'd have been nice to me. Nobody would have said that to me, and nobody would have done this to me, and they would have welcomed me, and they would have given me dental coverage by now. So this must not have been the word of God or the will of God. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't base the will of God on how well people treat me because if that's the case, Paul was never in the will of God. People are mean to him everywhere. And if that's the case, then Jesus wasn't in the will of God because people were chasing him down for years trying to kill him. I base whether I'm in the will of God or not by the word of God and what the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart. But me being in the will of God has nothing to do with how you treat me. Acts chapter 14. Let's look at Acts chapter 14. Here's an incredible Bible story that maybe you've read, maybe you haven't. It's not one of the more famous stories, believe it or not. But Acts chapter 14, and we're going to see the determination of Paul and why God used him so much, but I can tell you this much, I don't like, I don't, I don't like to fellowship, I don't like to hang out with, I don't like to surround myself with quitters, I like to be around people that stick with it, whether it's difficult or whether it's easy, whether times are good or times are bad, I like people that aren't quitters, and so Acts chapter 14, we're going to look at verses 19 through 20, and this is uh, uh, Paul with uh, his first ministry partner, a guy named Barnabas, Acts chapter 14, and we're going to look at verses 19 through 20. And so they've been preaching, and of course it makes some people mad, just like it usually does when you preach the Word of God. Verse 19, it says, Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. Now, how bloody and how unconscious do you have to be for an entire crowd of people to think that you're actually all the way dead? You've got to be pretty jacked up, right? I mean, 
These people are good at stoning people. These people are good at beating people and killing people. It was the Middle East, you know, a couple thousand years ago. Stuff like this happened. They were very familiar with what beating somebody to death looked like. And so they beat Paul. They stoned him so bad that they dragged his limp, lifeless body to the outskirts of the city and just dump him off. Wow, that's a bad spot to be in. And, you know, they they thought he was dead. Maybe he was dead. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But he was in a bad spot. But look at this. Verse 20. But as the believers gathered around him. Who thinks it's good to have believers gathered around you? Good job coming to church today because the believers are gathered around you. As they gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town. Who does that? You think that they get him up and he's like, oh, man, I am out of here. That is a rough bunch. He didn't run the other way. He gets up and walks right back into the town amongst the very people that just stoned him to death. And then the next day, the next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby, which was their next stop on their ministry tour. But can you imagine the guts and the audacity that Paul had to get right back up and walk back in amongst those people. You you imagine what they looked like. Like, him again? What's this nut doing? What's his problem? And the sad thing is the average Christian in 2021, you'll block someone and delete them because they they gave you a thumbs down on your whatever post that you put. I mean, come on. Come on. Oh, they're off my list, man. No way. I ain't talking to them no more. I heard that they did this, and they said that. No way. You better get a little more backbone than that if you're not going to be a coward and a quitter. You better better toughen up just a little bit if you can take some of the heat. If Paul could do that, surely we can stand up to some stuff that's coming our way. Now, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's just look, because Paul was nice enough at one point to compile a list of the things that had happened to him since he became a preacher. You know, it's funny, nobody really gave him much trouble uh, when he wasn't a preacher, but then he becomes, you know, he was killing Christians, or at least being an accomplice to the killing of Christians, if you read the earlier parts of Acts. Nobody gave him any trouble then, but as soon as he quits killing people, as soon as he quits at least assisting in the killing of people, everyone's mad at him. And I've heard stories from some of you guys, right, and, and that, that back when you were living for the world, back when you were doing drugs and drinking and, and cussing and fighting, you know, your family didn't give you any beef. They're like, well, but as soon as you really dedicated to Christ, uh, being a Christian, they think you're crazy now. Well, I heard that he goes to that church twice a week. Man, I heard he gives 10% of his income to that church. I heard that he does, I heard that he, and, 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 and that somehow offends them, but when you were smoking and cussing and beating people up, they didn't care? Who's the weirdo here? Real, I mean, come on. And so, no doubt about it, when you start living for Jesus, it, it should rub some people the wrong way. But look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, listen to what Paul said that has happened to him since he became a preacher and a Christian. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. So that's 39 beatings with the whip. 
Why didn't they do 40? Well, the law of Moses said if you beat a prisoner more than 40 times, then the beater has to go to jail and be in prison and punished. So the Jews would only do 39 hits just to make sure that they did. Isn't that nice? Just 39, not 40. So they'd stop one shy just to make sure they didn't go over the limit. Paul took that beating five different times. Yet he didn't quit what he was doing. Five times he took the beating of 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. I mean, one would be enough for me, but three times. Once I was stoned. We just read about that a minute ago. That was a bad situation. Three times I was shipwrecked. One time I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the city, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but they are not. Did you read that list of things that Paul went through, yet the man didn't quit? He reminds me of Rocky Balboa. I mean, he's taking a beat, just getting down, getting back up. I'm like, man, dummy, stay down. Don't, this isn't your thing, right? But Paul kept getting back up. No, I'm going back into that city. There must be someone there that hasn't heard about Jesus yet. I can still see out of one eye. And he just keeps going back again and again and again. Paul was not a quitter. Now, I can tell you this much, though. When you're not a quitter... People that are quitters really rub you the wrong way. Let me say that again. When you're not a quitter, people that are quitters really irritate you, and you don't want to be around them because that goes against everything within you. Now, let me, let's just tell another Bible story here, all right? So Paul's first ministry partner was a man named Barnabas. He was there for the stoning in Acts chapter 14. And so they get into ministry together. They're going from city to city, establishing new churches and spreading the gospel all over the empire right there. You know, I mean, all these different cities, Ephesus, Corinth, Philippi, uh, just all these Colossae, all these different cities. And so they did a big ministry tour. They're getting ready to go out for the next one. And Barnabas says, you know what? Why don't we take Mark with us? Uh, Mark, Mark's a good boy. I think he could be helped. And if you know who Mark is, they took Mark on their very first ministry trip, and it tells us in the book of Acts that early on in the trip, Mark got homesick, and Mark quit, and Mark went back home and left them on the road by themselves. Now, he was a young man, very young, probably 18, 20 years old or something, but he quit, and he left them. And then Barnabas says, hey, we're, good. we're taking another trip. I'll go get Mark. And Paul says, No. I am not, you can read this, it's at the end of Acts chapter 15, read it on your own time. But Paul says, we are not, he's a quitter. I'm not taking him with us again. You kidding me? And Barnabas says, no, we're going to give him a second chance. He's going with us. I want him to go. Paul and Barnabas got into such a disagreement on this that they split ways. Paul says, you know what, you just go do your thing. I'm going to go a different way. Paul selects another partner named Silas. And that's his new ministry partner. And Barnabas gets somebody else. But it all happened because Paul could not stand the thought of taking somebody with him that quit on him the first time. He couldn't stand quitters. And I mean, what? A, what? A, I mean, that's kind of a, a sad story. But 
The good news for quitters is this. You don't have to stay being a quitter. Because little Mark grew up, and Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark. Mark didn't stay a quitter. Mark moved to Alexandria, Egypt, and founded the church in Alexandria, the Church of Alexandria. And once again, the local people decided they didn't want Christianity in Egypt. They decided, we don't want any of that, that nonsense over here. The local people turned against the Christians, which we've seen time and time again throughout history. And at the present moment, some of us aren't the most popular people in America, but, you know, whatever. And so the locals, the people, the community, they turn against the Christians. And Mark says, I'm not quitting this time. No way. He stands up for Jesus. And according to Christian tradition, they, they, they drug him through the city and killed him. Uh, I'm not going to go into all the detail, but they killed him that way. And that's how Mark died. Mark died standing up for his faith. He was no longer a quitter. And in fact, one of the most beautiful, I don't know, one of the most beautiful scenes in the New Testament that we see is at the very end of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4 uh, is the, the, the very last words that we have from the Apostle Paul. He's like, guys, I'm going to be, I know that I'm dying soon. The time of my death is at hand. And one of the one of the only people he asked for, in fact, Paul says, when I stood trial in court, nobody showed up to stand with me. I went to court alone, but God was with me. And he thanked God for that. But he said, I'm, I'm dying soon. Timothy, could you send Mark to come visit me? Could you send Mark? I want to see Mark. And I'm like, wait a minute. The guy that you split up your entire ministry over because he was a no-good quitter is the very guy that you wanted in your final days of life and he ended up being a powerful Christian man whose effect is still felt in 2021. Listen, quitters are not, I'm just, you know, if you're a quitter, I'm sorry, but quitters are not good. But the good news is you don't have to stay a quitter. If you've developed that lifestyle of man, when the going gets tough, hey, I split. I ain't sticking. If that's you, you don't have to stay that way. You can remain, and God can turn that around in you and you don't have to be a quitter anymore just like mark didn't have to stay a quitter and the third thing i'm saying is this all right we're just keeping it real today number one do not be a coward if you're going to split split now but if you're going to stand up for jesus and stick with him make that decision today and never turn back again ever number two don't be a quitter do not be a quitter there's a price to pay for quitters and number three don't be unfaithful. Well, what, what's unfaithful? What, what, uh, is, is that the same thing as being a quitter? No, I, I kind of see it this way. Um, th there's someone that quits, right? It, just for instance, if you're in a marriage, there's someone that's just like, I quit. You know, I'm, I'm out of here. Uh, I, you know, I quit. I'm done with you. And they split. But then there's also somebody in a marriage that they may not straight up quit, but they're unfaithful. They two times. One day they're with you. The next day they're with somebody else. One day they're, oh, man, I, I love you, you've got all my heart, and then the next day they're not. Now, that's awful, you know, and I'm not, you know, if someone's experienced that, I feel bad about that, you know, take it to Jesus, get forgiveness. But at the same time, there's people that do that to Jesus. They don't just quit, they don't straight up quit, but they are unfaithful. Man, I, I, will, sir, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. And I mean, you can't even follow them out of the parking lot. 
You know, you get, 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 fall into the Del Taco drive-thru, then you go home, and then you're not falling. What's going on here? We cannot be unfaithful in this day and age. Well, uh, you can't afford it. It'll cost you dearly if we're unfaithful. I want to look back at Revelation 21.8. At the beginning of the sermon, I read it out of the New Living Translation. Now I want to read it out of the Living Bible because I like the way it words it here. Revelation 21 and verse 8. In the Living Bible, it says, But cowards who turn back from following me and those who are unfaithful to me. Those who are unfaithful to me. And the corrupt and murderers and the immoral and, and those conversing with demons and idol worshipers and all liars, their doom is in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. This is the second death. But right there, it tells us cowards and those who are unfaithful. That's not a good spot to be in. That'll cost us more than we ever dreamed it would cost us. And I realize this isn't just the big encouragement, the big boost for your week that, that you know, but we got to speak some truth right now because you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free according to Jesus in John 8, 32. You've got to have truth. You've got to have truth right now. And we found out, especially in the United States, that the state of a lot of things right now is honest to God because a lot of churches, a lot of preachers and pastors have only told people what they want to hear, and they have not told them the truth. Honest to God. That, that's a lot of pastors. You know, my, my pastor, Kenneth Hagin Jr., when I was in college, he said, don't you dare get out there and keep feeding sugar taffy to a diabetic congregation. <laughs> Give those people what they need to hear. And honestly, there's been so many things that none of us want to talk about because we'll get stuff thrown at us. We'll get smeared. We'll get blasted if we dare touch some of these topics. But the state of a lot of things in America right now, honest to God, is because pastors and Christians were cowards and were sissies and wouldn't talk about it. And I don't go out looking for trouble. I, I, do not, I don't go looking for it, praise God. But I, I'm well aware. I've read the scripture. Like I said the other day, I went ahead and just read the whole thing, cover to cover. Listen to me. I am well aware that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I had another pastor call me, and you're going you're gonna to keep your doors open. One of my friends just got a letter that said this and said that, that they're going to arrest you. I said, listen, I made up my mind nine months ago. I'm going to do what Jesus said to do. If that means I go to jail, then I go to jail. But I ain't closing this thing down. We're going to preach the word of God no matter what anybody thinks. I don't need the governor. <laughs> I don't need the governor's stamp of approval. I don't need the president's stamp of approval. I don't listen. We're going to do what the word of God says. And I'm fully aware going into this thing. I am fully aware in 2021 the potential risk of going out there and preaching, the potential risk of, of praying for people, praying for the sick, anointing people, showing up at hospitals. I, I am aware. I have weighed the risk, and I am fully aware, and, uh, and, and I'm okay with it. If I had to go to jail for Jesus, I would go to jail for Jesus because Jesus went to the cross for me. I would do that. And, and, uh, and, and again, I mean, I... <laughs> We aren't backing down from what the Word of God tells us to do, and we don't care who it pleases. We're not out there looking for trouble, but I am aware that, uh, praise God, there's some people that don't like what we're doing, and that's all right, because Jesus likes what we're doing. 
Revelation chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Revelation 2, verses 10 and 11. This is my final spot today. Revelation 2, verses 10 and 11. Who's glad they came today? Who has made up their mind that they will not be a coward? That they will not be a quitter? I'm, t- I've, I'm too far into this. Like I've said before, if the very worst thing that you can do to me is kill me, you can't scare me with heaven. I'm excited about going there, right? I mean, if that's the very worst thing, that's the worst thing they can do to you. They can't send you to hell. But we do get to go to heaven someday. Revelation 2, and we're going to look at verses 10 and 11. Now, if you read the beginning of Revelation, in fact, it's, it's ironic that uh, the apostle John, he was the oldest uh, he, is the, he was the only of the 12 disciples that died of natural causes. The other 11, they were murdered or martyred somewhere along the way. John lived into his 90s, which especially back then is a very old age. He was a very healthy man. He took his vitamin C and zinc every day, and he was very, very healthy, right? But so they, they can't shut him up. He's still preaching. He's still writing letters. And so finally, like, you know what? Just put him in isolation. They put him on this island called Patmos. Like, he can't bother anybody out there. And the Lord gives him this vision. And now we know it as the book of Revelation, the final book of the Bible. And, and in the beginning of the book of Revelation, the Lord uh, gives John uh, seven different messages, seven letters for seven different churches of what was Asia Minor at the time. One of those churches was in a city called Ephesus. Now, as I read these different seven different letters, I'm reading the one out of Ephesus right here. It was specifically to that church, but there is truth and there is power that applies to every single one of us today. These letters weren't only for that church. It applies for all Christians of all time. But Revelation 2, verses 10 and 11, we're talking about not being unfaithful. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you, okay? You will suffer for 10 days, but if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. If you remain faithful, if you remain faithful, if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. I read that and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I've got ears to hear. I'm listening to what you're saying, Lord, that if I remain faithful even to death, even until the very end of this thing, if I remain faithful faithful, I will get the crown of life. Now, the book of Revelation talks about different crowns that we get when we get to heaven. Not everybody gets these crowns, only people that have done what God told them to do out here. But this is one of those crowns. I want to get to heaven, and I want Jesus to judge me and say, here's the crown of life. You remain faithful even when it got super hard down there. And you know what I'm going to do with that crown? I'm not going to put it on my head and strut around heaven and say, hey, look at this. Come on. Take a selfie. No, I'm not up there to get that crown for me. When I show up at the marriage supper of the Lamb, the great feast at the very end, I'm not showing up to the party empty-handed. I'm showing up to Jesus, and I want some crowns and some awards that I've received, and I want to lay those down at the feet of Jesus and say, this was for you. 
I stuck with it for you, Jesus. And now I've got you gave me so much in that world, in that life, I've got something to give you. I want to lay my crowns at the feet of Jesus. I want to bow down and I want to worship him. And that is not going to happen if I'm a coward. That is not going to happen if somebody says, oh, so you're, you're one of those Christians, huh? You're one of those that refuse it. And, and, and if you say, well, not really. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to talk about that. That's a if that's you, that's a coward, and that's a quitter, and that's an unfaithful person. Don't be that. Stand up for Jesus. Set your face as a stone determined to do his will, and you will not be disgraced. You will not be put to shame. You will not regret sticking with Jesus until the very end. It may cost you some friends right now. It could cost you some money right now. It could cost you some comfort right now. But if you'll stand up for Jesus, you ain't going to regret it when you're in heaven worshiping Jesus, when you're in that mansion, when you're dancing down streets of gold, when you're taking fruit from the tree of life right by the river of life. You won't regret your decision to stand up for Jesus. Now, if you're willing to stand up for Jesus, why don't we do it right now? Stand up with me this morning. Amen. And I'm asking everybody to stand up together. Praise God. Who's glad they came to church today? I would just love to tell you that everything's rainbows and ponies. You're going to leave here today and people are going to love you and give you cotton candy and, and everybody just thinks you're the best. Listen, not everybody thinks you're the best anymore. Not everybody likes what you stand for. Not everybody agrees with what you believe anymore. And that's okay because we already knew about it. We saw it coming. We were fully prepared for this thing if you've been sticking with the Word of God. But I want to take a minute here this morning. Josh, can we sing Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? We sing this, we sing this old hymn a lot, but but you need to realize that your eyes better be on Jesus right now. If they're on your money, you're in trouble. If they're on who likes you on Instagram, you're in trouble. If they're on who the president is, you're in trouble. If you're on, you know, well, they're making me wear a mask. Yeah, if you're on the disease, you're in trouble. Your eyes better be on Jesus. That's the only thing that's not going to change in our lives. But let's, if you, I mean, you know, if, if this... If, if you're in if you're in with me if you're in with this whole thing let's take a minute to sing to Jesus tune every distraction out just sing to Jesus just you and him Oh. 
are on you. You're the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord. You're the alpha. You're the omega. You're the beginning and the end. You are the first, but thank God you're also the last. You go in front of us and you follow up behind us. We are surrounded on every side by the walls of God's salvation. And we thank you, Lord, that we are sticking with you in the shelter of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And we thank you that we are sticking with you in the mighty name of Jesus. Well, after a, after a word like that, it's just as, about as good a time as we've ever had for you to make a, a public stand for your faith. Uh, if, if you're here and you could say, man, I have not been where I need to be with the Lord, but I want to be. I, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I was with God at one point, but somewhere along the way I let go and walked off. Hey, that's, that's happened to a lot of people. Or if you're here and you say, you know, I've never, ever even been into this whole Jesus thing. I'm just, you know, I'm getting into it now. I'm interested. I want to pray with you today. I'm not asking you to come up, but I will ask you to boldly raise your hand because let's just get real. There's got to be a point in time where we're not a coward. There's got to, I, mean, I see hands going up. But even If you're here and you want to say, man, I'm being serious. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and today's my day that I'm going to make my public stand. I'm asking you to raise your hand, and if you think if you're embarrassed in front of us, you're going to be really embarrassed out there in the world. So we're good people. We love you. We just want to help you. I see. Is there anybody else that you would say, "Man, today's my day"? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I've got four people that have raised their hands, and I want to pray with everybody here. Amen. That's important, man. If you can't take the, if you think there's pressure in here, that is nothing like out there. I want to pray with you today. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. Say this. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died, that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. I'm not turning back. I will not be a coward. I will not be a quitter. I will not be unfaithful in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I've got Heather right there in the back with a yellow shirt. Heather, raise your hand real high. If you are interested, I've got a, a, a program I've established called Spiritual Personal Trainer. And if you're, you know, because it's, it's one thing to say a prayer here, but listen, uh, the, the pressure comes on, man. If you want to take the next 30 days, I will hook you up with somebody from the church that will every day text you some Bible verses, text you a devotion, pray with you, talk with you, just help you get on the right track. I will hook you up 
for the next 30 days with somebody that will stand with you and help you grow in your faith. If you raised your hand and you are interested in that, please see Heather. She will give me your name and phone number. I will hook you up with another Christian from the church that will be your spiritual personal trainer for the next 30 days because you need it. You need it. Amen? You need that. Final order of business. I'm speaking off the cuff yet again. I've had a lot of, there's a lot of people that want to get baptized right now. I've had people in the church. I've had people from outside the church. I've had phone calls from other people, people that watch us on the internet. I want baptized. I know things are getting real. I know things are, it's getting heavy out there. I want to get baptized before the next wind of things comes down the tunnel. And I haven't known what to do. I'm like, well, I got to, you know, I want to be as safe as I can be and I want to do all that. But I have people begging me to get baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And pandemic or not, people need baptized. People, Jesus told me to do it, whether, you know, there's a, you know, a worldwide famine or pandemic or not. And so um, here I go. This is no, I'm, this is just right at the moment. Sunday, February 4th, we'll be baptizing people in the tank here, okay? And uh, if, if you know, like, man, I, I need to do this, you, listen, if you feel in your heart that you need to do this, you need to do this, all right? I'll, I'll look up what I need to do to make it safe, you know, whatever, you know, uh, you know, well, I'm sure we'll make you get a temperature check or something that morning, but I'll come up with a game plan. But if you know that you need to get baptized and you know that Jesus is coming really soon and you need to do it Sunday, February 4th. And uh, I've had people from Fort Irwin, soldiers literally call and say, will your church baptize me? And at the time, I'm like, well, we aren't doing that right now, but we're going to go ahead and make this happen. We have to make this happen. Sunday, February, whatever, that's not, whatever the first Sunday of February is, I don't know what it is. I said fourth. I just said that. I don't even know if it's the fourth. I don't think it is. But anyway, I think it's the sixth or the seventh or something. I don't know. But the first Sunday of February, we'll, we will be baptizing people that want to get baptized and make a public confession of faith and make sure they're right with God before it all happens. Amen. All right. Very good. Well, who had a great time today? Amen. I had a good time. Stay tuned, stay connected, and uh, stay plugged into Jesus, man, every single day. Be reading the Bible, be praying, and if you need to, I think if you need to tune some news out, if you need to tune some social media out, this would be a fine time to do that. That wouldn't hurt you at all, to just read a little more Bible and pray a little bit more, but that's between you and God. All right, well, let's pray over you, and then we are going to speak the Barstow Faith Confession, and we will release you today, but it's a good time to know Jesus and to be a follower of God. Amen? Raise your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray the prayer of faith over every single person here, Lord, every single person that got up this morning and said, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to God's house. Every person that said, I may have to stay home, but I'm going to watch church on the Internet. Lord, I pray over these guys in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that your word said that your angels surround and protect us everywhere we go. Lord, I claim that 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 no evil person, no no uh, violent person can touch anybody here, Lord. No disease can touch anybody here, Lord. In the name of Jesus, no poverty, no depression, no 
no, no attacks against their marriage and their children, Lord. We're off limits in the mighty name of Jesus. We speak the peace of God, the protection of God, the blessing of the Lord over every person here that will receive it and will walk with you right now. And most of all, I declare, Lord, right now that we are not going to be cowards. We will stand up for you. We will be faithful even unto death, and we will receive the crown of life when we get to heaven. We thank you for it. Use us this week to be hope, help, and healing to the world around us in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's speak some words of faith over Barstow. Let's do this. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. We'll see you Wednesday.